0: Welcome to The Grinders Table, the podcast where we sit with C-suite executives and founders who are taking their industry by storm to figure out how you can build an exceptional career and business. Together, we'll try to uncover how they have both defined odds and what you can learn from their experience. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Grinders Table. With us, we have a special guest today. And in my usual fashion, I allow him introduce himself because I don't like introducing people personally. So, Martin, over to you.
1: <laughs> I don't like introducing myself either. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, just joking. So, my name is Martin Lowell, and I am the skills program manager uh, at the Africa Transformation Office at Microsoft.
0: Is that it? Just that? <laughs> that just you know, sounded like a 30, 30 seconds ele- elevator pitch.
1: Uh, you get used to that uh, when you work in corporates, but uh, yeah. No, I mean, if you really want to get to know Martin, uh, I'm, I'm, my my whole life can be summed up by two words: Africa and technology. So anything that involves the application of technology to further the continent, that's my business. And at the moment, one of the key areas that I'm really focusing on is the enablement pillar, which is skilling or in particular digital skilling. I eat and breathe digital skilling right now. So if you ask me anything about digital skills, you know, digital jobs, that kind of stuff, that's that's definitely where I'm at. Hmm.
0: So let's just, let's add some color to who Martin is. What's your background like, and what led you to championing digital education and, you know, upskilling?
1: It comes from, from quite a while back, actually. Um, uh, I remember when I was in university, I, um, I once attended a Web 2.0 uh, seminar, which was being held at my university. And it was being facilitated by this gentleman called Simunza from Zambia. And it just so happened that he was one of the founders of Bongo Hive, one of the, the, the top uh, innovation hubs in Zambia. And he spoke about how this innovation hub brought people together, empowered them with the right skills, got them to, to meet co founders, and, and, and really bring ideas to life. Uh, I, I was I was captivated by the idea, and before you know it, I'd asked my mom if I could use the garage to to host a, a mini innovation hub of our own in, in Zimbabwe, because we didn't have one at the time. And uh, after a few weeks, she agreed. We painted the garage, put up a whiteboard, bought some plastic chairs, gave it a name at the time, which was called Sky Hub. And... Uh, I started to invite some of my friends from the computer science class I used to attend at the local university. It got popular. They started bringing their friends until there were, you know, people couldn't even fit in the garage anymore. And uh, and so I realized that people really saw value in in improving themselves and getting the kind of skills that would help them achieve their dreams. A lot of the classes we had were about like, just like just regular Java coding classes, or 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 Python, or or anything that was trending at the time, how to build Android apps and how other people have succeeded in building those Android apps. People were so interested in that. You know, you must remember it's like 20, 2013 and uh, you know, apps are popping all over the place as smartphone penetration increased on the continent. And so I realized that you know I I was doing a good thing in bringing people together you know i I was even able to convince some of my lecturers from university to to come give courses for free in my garage and this thing grew to the point where the 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 university realized the the you know the, the value of it and gave me an entire floor in a university building to to host the innovation hub uh ever since then it's it's always been close to my heart um Uh, I went on to to be part of the Young African Leaders Initiative. Uh, When I got back, uh, I joined Microsoft. Uh, I was in the sales uh, engine for a while. Um, And then an opportunity came up in what was called the Microsoft for Africa organization uh, to be part of the skilling uh, team there. And I took that opportunity. And uh, after some time, I've gone up through the ranks and, and now I'm leading the, the skills programs. So it, it's really come from, from a very small scale where we were upskilling you know, 20 people in a garage. Now our ambition is the Africa Transformation Office is to upskill 30 million people on the African continent in the next four years. So yeah, we've come a long way. Uh, ambitions have gotten bigger, but digital skilling is still the game.
0: Yeah, digital scaling is key. But let, let's talk a bit about digital scaling and why you think this is what we need to put the African continent on the map. What exactly is digital scaling or technology that important?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And and you know, really for for us to answer that, we have to we have to just look back a bit and 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 look at what makes the African continent unique from every other continent right now. And one of the key facts is that. The African continent is the youngest continent in the world today, this is a fact. And estimated that in the next two to three years, it will be home to the world's largest workforce. Now, as we talk about the fourth industrial revolution that we're moving into, um, you start to realize that the world is going to require a new set of skills uh, for the digital transformation that's going to occur globally. And if we're talking about being the, the world's largest workforce, it's super important that we empower our people, our youth with the right kind of skills that will be relevant in 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 all well, the future is now it's because of two to three years, um, we really need to be geared up for it. And that's why, uh, you know, from a Microsoft perspective, there's such a bold ambition, you know, 30 million to be honest, is is still not going to meet the world's uh, or the global digital skills demand, but at least we're playing our part in in, in, in covering that gap.
0: Uh, yeah, there is a gap. We have a huge, I mean, young population, some would say uned, uned, uneducated young population with a lot of potential. And that's just one of the challenges. What, what do you see as the challenge to actually helping you attain this your goals of, of ensuring that as many people have digital skills in the end?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of challenges, uh, but, uh, you know, while you can talk about financial challenges, because skilling has a cost element to it, uh, you can talk about the multicultural uh, or language uh, environment that we live in. 54 countries is is, is not the same as, as, you know, upskilling in Australia, where it's just one country, one language. That's definitely a challenge. But what I've seen to be the biggest challenge that I did not expect at all was the mindset of our people. Um, a lot of times, you get a, a lot of young people who are influenced, obviously, by their parents, who are still in the traditional uh, learning mindset. You know that you you have to go get a formal education at a university. Once you're finished and you've graduated and you're holding your certificate, learning is done. It's time to work, right? Things have changed in the world. And now we need to embrace what's called a growth mindset, which means basically that learning never ends. And this is even more relevant when, when we look at you know, technology because technology is changing so fast. And we need to keep empowering ourselves with the right kind of knowledge to be relevant to the technologies of today. And so I encourage anyone out there listening, uh, to, if, if you haven't already read about the growth mindset understand what it means to to be part of continuous learning um, and keep sharpening your skills a lot of the times you know our universities follow the very traditional model where where they generalize knowledge so you you study computer science you learn everything from networking to coding to you know it's a a very wide discipline and the hope is that you'll land in one of those disciplines um, and learn on the job however Companies today are very, very competitive. They want to hire people that are going to hit the ground running, who are going to start bringing them a return on investment from day one. And so there's this new concept I'm coining, which is called skilling at the edge. As you start to see industry forming, the skills requirements are no longer product-based. So no one is looking now for uh, um, uh, and Windows expert uh, or an SQL expert. No, now people are looking more for role experts. So I need a security engineer. I need a data scientist. I need a data engineer. And the skill set for the data engineer is constantly being updated. So you can always go and get the latest and greatest in in whatever technologies that a security, um, you know, specialist to, should have. And you can do that. So by skilling at the edge, I mean. Now you can go and say, "Okay, I know Microsoft has millions of customers, hundreds and thousands of partners and and, and who knows how many distributors. Uh, I want to specialize in Microsoft skills. So you can even now specialize in Microsoft uh, Dynamics, for example, and even one part of Dynamics. And you will have a skill within three months that's ready to to, to be hired in role and you'll have enough experience from the the, the training that you've had to actually start working on projects from the first day that you join uh, the the company. So this is a big opportunity. The second one I wanna talk about is really important is that people still haven't uh, changed their mindset towards the work of today, right? Um, Post COVID, uh, you know the the work environment has changed a lot. Uh, remote work has become commonplace. Uh, we're starting to see a lot more remote jobs being uh, advertised and posted. And in fact, because of the risk that companies were carrying uh, during uh, COVID, where they had hired so many full time employees and now uh, didn't have the flexibility to 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 you know cut down their staffing complement. Uh, due to labor laws a lot of them have now realized that it's better for certain project-based work that they hire people on a gig basis or a freelance basis right so a lot of freelance jobs have been become very much available and we've seen that southeast asia started to pick up these jobs Uh, you've seen people in eastern europe who are very quick to become freelancers offer their uh, services online on platforms like upwork in africa we have Gabea and so on and so forth And Africa is lacking behind. And so we need more young people to to realize that this opportunity is there. Gig work is good. It's it's an opportunity for you to build up your own resume. It's an opportunity for you to to get a a variety of experiences across different companies in a short space of time. But also, it pays really well. You get more typically per hour from gig work than you do from a full-time employment. And so... With, a, with the largest workforce and a really young continent, we really need to stop just looking at traditional ways of learning, traditional ways of employment, and really start to catch up with the trends of the world.
0: Well, well spoken. Uh, thanks for that. So you, you, you kind of shared your inspiration and what really drives you. Um, well, let's. I'd like to dig deep.
1: Into what? my inspiration. <laughs> yes. What drives me? Yeah. Actually, you know, this will be the very first time I'm talking about this because I, I had a good uh, time to to really introspect and and think about what it is my purpose is. So the first thing is that I live by this mantra, right? When I die, will it have mattered to Africa that I lived? So I ask myself this all the time, and if if for too long i don't feel like i'm 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 really uh, bringing any value to the continent i i really challenge myself to to get up and do more right now previously i mentioned two words define me africa and technology and so recently i i uh i was i was just thinking and i believe in speaking things into existence that's one thing that that always works for me and uh I have uh, changed my 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 handle on Twitter and Instagram to Giant of Africa, and the reason I I've, I've put that is because um, I want to one day become the giant of Africa in technology, right? And that means that I will be able to contribute significantly to the outcome of this continent through means of technology. That's something that always drives me. And so today I'm in digital skills. Tomorrow it could be sustainability technology. After that it could be industry technology. Uh, after that it could be connectivity. We the, the technology is really wide, and I personally don't mind uh, which area men of technology. But just as long as I'm making impact on the continent, my breath is worthwhile.
0: So you're you're basically driven by impact. But are there times that you you look at yourself and say, "Hey, I'm not doing enough, or I'm not there yet," because you find out that multi potentialites or people that you know have this audacious vision or you know big goal, they tend to talk down on themselves because they feel like they're not where they think they should have been or where they think they should be. Do you ever experience that?
1: All right, let's be honest. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, there's a lot of times you just feel like you're not moving fast enough because uh, the ambition is 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 big and it's clear. So you you almost always know how far you are from your goal, right? Um one thing I've learned over time is that patience is critical it's not not easy that's for sure um I get frustrated a lot of the time where uh, even if I've been I've gotten a promotion last year this year I want another promotion or I want to I want to get higher I want more responsibilities I want more challenges but in truth I, I need time to develop my skills to grow before I, I embark on on a, a higher journey right so I, I definitely struggle with it a lot, but uh, I've, I've learned over the time to be more and more patient. And I hope I do develop more patience because I, I think I'm doing well. Um, and I think a lot of people are actually doing well. A lot of people I know are doing super well. They're, they're progressing through their career much faster than than people were 10, 20 years ago. Um, but for some reason, still not enough. The hunger is getting is getting much bigger, um, but still, like I said, patience is key.
0: Yep. Yep, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, every one of us has faced eh, failure one way or the other. And I'm not gonna tell you to talk about it, um, but how do you, you know, muster the courage to pull yourself out of that that failure, that that feeling of um, you know, you you failed. How do you manage failure?
1: That's a good question, yeah. and, and that feeling I've had a lot. I think I've probably had that feeling more than success. Uh, in fact, success probably comes after multiple failures for me. Um, but what one thing I've, I've learned is not to to dwell too much on the result of failure that happened, but more to analyze the process that led to failure. Um, I, I, as a kid, I used to play with Legos a lot, right? And um, I often used, didn't like to use the manual uh, to build the train or, or, or the car or whatever that was. I, I try to do it myself first. And only when I would fail, I would go back and say, okay, why, what, which part did I miss? Why did my car not come together the way that it, I, I wanted it to? And so I would break down the pieces and go back piece by piece until I figured it out right and I've, I've i guess that's something that that i've developed in my life uh, whenever i i do anything it's usually a t- it's, a, it's a very few steps of a process and i try to just iterate and make that process better and better until it actually works um, and for me that's always been a, a recipe for success because uh, that feeling of of dwelling on on the results that occurred or the failure that ended up then that can take you down a, a rabbit hole. And I don't think anyone likes that.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I actually one of I'm actually one of those people that never read the manual. I just pick the stuff up and, and try to assemble it. And then it's I learn from that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of learn by doing, and that's how yeah. I've always lived my life. I just, I just get out and try things. Um, what's one common misconception about you now let me go first so that you feel comfortable so a lot of people think that i have everything together because i'm always that i always give up that that senior vibe that person that knows what he's doing but internally i'm actually a mess like i'm, I'm my head is spinning in a million and one ways am i doing it right is this correct am i speaking well you know all that thing But everybody thinks I'm, i have everything together for you what's what's the common misconception about you
1: yeah uh- <laughs> A funny common misconception about me is that I always have everything together and uh, my confidence equals uh, my competence, right? I tell people that in the back end, Martin is a person who fakes it till he makes it. I always put myself in the position uh, from which I'm going to learn. And oftentimes that's a position where you have to look like the part play the part until you actually learn the part <laughs> that that's been my I, i'll tell you a short story about how when i joined microsoft um i applied to microsoft i got through there was so many interviews that we had to do for this prestigious microsoft academy for college hires uh, it's like a, a graduate program so i was fresh out of university i just graduated And I applied, made it in, you know, out of like 2,000-something applications, 20 of us were chosen. Uh, And I remember that the first day we all met together, I was with graduates from NCAD, from Harvard, MIT, and so on. And here I was from a humble university in Zimbabwe. And I, I thought, look, I just have to look the parts. For as long as I can believe I should be there, eventually I will belong there right? And so day one was crazy. The person who came to facilitate like some of the intro workshops was starting to talk like MBA terms, like, Y O Y or year-on-year year growth versus uh, uh, year-to-date. What, what you know? I I didn't know any <laughs> of those words. I could not understand. What, it sounded like Greek to me. But there I was nodding like, yeah, 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 I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever a question came my way, I just tried to find some words to put together that sounded like an intelligent enough answer. I promise you. Three weeks later, I was selected as one of the top. Uh, join us uh, for a particular exercise that we did. And I started to pick up confidence. I started to pick up uh, the lingo. The, at Microsoft, there's a lot of acronyms that they use. I started to pick up that language. And here I am today, you know? So I, I think uh, if, if anyone thinks I'm, I'm really, I got my stuff together, think twice. I probably don't yet know <laughs> what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. <laughs>
0: Oh, um, actually, I, I resonate with everything you said. Um, but I, I don't necessarily say fake it to make it. I say be to make it. Um, because I've had. S- same similar experiences where i switched industries in my career and from day one i was lost but if you had seen me or walked into me you'd think that i knew everything that i needed to know. but <laughs> I, I was basically learning on the job every new word google is my friend my best friend i literally would just pull uh. up my phone and start googling and trying to figure out what people are saying about it in short personally what i used to learn a lot is social, social media so I, I look for what the top people or the, the you know the industry leaders are saying about a certain thing and I learned from them anyway that's just me. But yeah, be it till you make it. Um you you will never you will never necessarily have all the skills and all the knowledge, but you just have to keep on showing up. If not, you're going to miss out on opportunities. Um so your role at, at, at Microsoft, I would assume that you have to work with a lot of people and especially when you're, 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 you're part of what I say, training programs i have been in the opportunity to run accelerator programs where we are dealing with thousands of people. So I know the complexities and the amount of work that goes into that. How do you manage your team? What, what's your, your leadership style in terms of, you know, managing your team?
1: Oh, look, that's that's a, that's a difficult question. I'm I'm lucky uh, in that you know at Microsoft we have a really big virtual team of people who are doing skilling across the company, right? We have skilling being done in the philanthropies unit. We have skilling being done in the um, education unit, and and I can go to worldwide learning, and there's so many different departments. My role is is less of creating skilling programs, but more of aggregating them and bringing them together, and making them relevant to the African audience. And so, for that, uh, you know, our, we have a, a very I'll, I'll call it a, a smallish team um, within the Africa Transformation Office. But we work with a wider team across the company. And so with their support, uh, we're able to land a lot of these initiatives by first of all, creating a, a very intentional strategy for skilling in Africa, which you know, sometimes isn't always the case because Africa wasn't uh, you know, on, on the map as such. If you're looking at a global environment, you know Microsoft has really big markets in, in the US, Canada, Europe, uh, Australia, and so on and so forth. Um, but now the Africa transformation officers come in, we've challenged uh, the rest of the company to start being more intentional about Africa. That is starting to happen. And so uh, for us, it's really to facilitate a soft landing for our skilling programs on the continent and make sure that they're relevant to the audiences that we have.
0: Hey, you you mentioned something, and it, it struck a chord because I've had this conversation. So you have these multinationals, you know still figuring out their Africa strategy, and um what happens is you oftentimes have to you need Africans within the organization to lead from within. Now, I'm trying to frame this question right, but how how do you how do you lead from within? like how do you ensure that um whatever gonna Again, this is Microsoft, but whatever organization you're working for is working or is putting out plans that are for, for a better Africa, that are working towards improving Africa, right? Because in the end, what you see is most organizations build their strategy for market, money making, right? And oftentimes it doesn't necessarily align with impact. How do you How do you ensure that whatever decision is made, again, I'm trying to frame this question right, is benefiting the <laughs> continent?
1: that's a really good question you know i i'll be very honest and blunt with you about this one i personally believe in what's called sustainable impact and if impact is sustainable then that impact makes business sense so any business it will be a no-brainer for you to come in and make money while also having a significant impact right a lot of the time i think uh, um, especially in the past in Africa, we've we've had to develop on on aid and and grants and so on and so forth, which should probably continue and I think there's a there's room for that. But I think if we want to see real growth, real sustainability in in African businesses and even uh, global businesses on the continent, we need to make sure that whatever impact we're looking for, is able to translate to a dollar amount. Um, and, and, and and to be honest, even if you think about it from our own perspective, we have nothing to lose. If that impact, whether that is more digital skills in the continent that will lead to a knowledge economy that will start to bring money into Africa, for if that impact has to happen at a cost and someone has to make money out of it, why not? You know, we're gaining what we need out of it. Look at sustainability and the sustainability space is a really huge space. You know, it doesn't have to be a cost cutting, uh, you know, challenge for businesses. They shouldn't look at it as just a CSR initiative. There's, an, there's a business opportunity. There's lots of money in sustainability and there's nothing wrong with saving the planet while making money out of it. In fact, you will be—you'll find that there'll be more people in this world who are more motivated to do all the right things, have all the right impact, if they can sustain it with the with the dollar amount behind that. And and so, I'm all for sustainable impact.
0: Hmm. And to some more trivial questions, um, which do you prefer? Do you prefer newsletters? Do you prefer podcasts? Or would I say articles?
1: All right. I'll. I'll. I'll uh... Confession, I am uh, dyslexic, so I prefer to listen a Uh, lot more than I read.
0: I see. And and what do you like to listen to? What podcasts, what what documentaries and things would you like to recommend? Or do you enjoy listening to?
1: Wow. So actually, I I listen to a lot of uh, Um, e-books. As I don't get to read as much uh, books or physical books, like reading actual words, uh, I listen to them a lot, especially in my car as I'm driving around. I typically wouldn't listen to music. I mean, every now and then, Burna Boy is nice, but uh, <laughs> uh, I would typically, I would typically be listening to an ebook. Um, uh, I I do subscribe to a couple of podcasts here and there, um, mostly within the digital skills space. Sustainability is a topic I'm really interested in, um, but yeah, mostly in the e in in, in the ebooks.
0: In your opinion, what do you think um, is the most important personality trait um, for anybody working in your industry or anybody that wants to be successful in the path that you've chosen?
1: Uh, So I have an interesting one for this one. I I was speaking to one of my mentors at Microsoft uh, a few weeks ago, and he asked me a really interesting question. It's like, Martin, uh, what business are we in? I was so quick to jump and say that's obvious we're in the technology business it couldn't get more obvious than that and he said no we are actually in the people business without people technology wouldn't be necessary or required and so without people we're nothing and so he said to me that your people skills or your ability to to relate to people a little bit of empathy here a little bit of listening here and understanding and most important respect that takes you a long way in the business that we're in.
0: Uh, I I actually agree with this one. Um, I'm beginning to see as I grow in my career that the ability to manage people up and down, either mm-hmm. superior to you or below you, uh, or even your peers is actually, it's an underrated skill. Very, very important. Because oftentimes that also comes to learning how to communicate. And you find that a lot of things get lost in communication, a lot and you know communicating right can actually save you a lot of stress but yeah i absolutely agree with you thank you so much for spending the last few minutes um talking about yourself talking about what you've learned over the years and um and and i mean your passion for africa is i it's really strong we can hear this but in rounding up do you have advice any general advice for anyone either trying to to the part that you've told in terms of ensuring that more and more people get or learn a digital skill or oh, yeah any advice you have
1: yeah i look for me i think that every african out there should be playing their part in 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 a better africa and it doesn't have to be in technology uh, although you will truly find in the time that we live in now, technology is everywhere. So uh, I think it's relevant in almost every industry. Um, but I want everyone to be brave out there. I want everyone to, to, to have confidence. I want everyone to have passion as they do what they do best to move this continent forward. And they shouldn't be scared. Like you said, uh, be it till you make it. Uh, there's not going to be a time when the stars align and everything is going to be perfect. The time is now, and we really need to to take uh, to take the opportunity as it's come to us. Uh, there's no better time to be an African, I believe, and and now is the time to, to 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 make the most of it.
0: The time is now, and and this is the time to make the most out of it. Thank you so much for Martin. That was actually a strong ending. Really appreciate you for coming on this podcast. Thank you once again.
1: Thanks for having me, UM, and look forward to listening to this podcast going forward.
0: That's all on today's episode of the Grinders Table and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Montio UM. That's at Montio for Mista in French UM.